When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion for this extra show, a special podcast for a special cause to save our stables at Park Lane Stables in South West London. Our guest today is Natalie O'Rourke, the manager of Park Lane Stables, who is driving a campaign to raise a million pounds via crowdfunding by the 25th of February. Natalie has only recently been informed by her landlord that their lease will not be renewed and unless they can raise a million pounds, the riding school will close. Already, Natalie and her team have raised just over 185,000. As you will hear on the podcast, Park Lane Stables is a vital part of the local community, an inner city community where it is rare to see a horse. Park Lane Stables RDA, Riding for the Disabled, is a riding school charity that provides therapy and riding lessons for people with or without disabilities in London. Please listen to the podcast and consider supporting this very worthy cause. However small your donation, it could really make a difference to so many people. Enjoy today's podcast with Natalie and a few special guests. And don't forget to tell as many friends as you can. Hello, Natalie. Welcome to the Paddock and the Pavilion. Hi, Stephen. Thank you for inviting me on. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Um, It's not the first time I've seen you today because earlier today I saw you on uh, Luck on Sunday with... uh, on racing TV with Nick Luck. So this is a bit low key compared to that. (laughs) Yeah, Nick Luck has been so good to us. He's really getting behind our campaign and uh, is really championing our cause. So we're we're so grateful to him for highlighting our plight. Well, he's a good man to to get involved with, with all his contacts and his knowledge about racing. So uh, before we talk more about Park Lane Stables in detail, can you let listeners know as at Sunday the 24th of January, where you are with the campaign. Yeah, so I'm really pleased to say that we've actually just tipped over 180,000. So um, that's pretty amazing. You know, it's the 24th today and we started on New Year's Eve. So we're absolutely thrilled to bits that we're over 18%. But we absolutely have to push forward and keep moving on and up to get to the goal. So... um, there's a bit of a long way to go yet. And what's the deadline date? Um, so the deadline date for the crowdfunding is the 25th of February. 
and that was set by crowdfunding, not by ourselves, because the longest date that you can have for a crowdfunding campaign is eight weeks. Um, so we there's a possibility of us having an extension, but we'd have to discuss that with them nearer the nearer the end date. Right. Okay. I love the background noise. It really shows that we're. <laughs> Recording from a stables here, so uh, oh yeah, they're, they're sneezing now. We've <laughs> had their dinner. Now. <laughs> I don't know who we got in the background. There was three greys on the television this morning. So uh. yeah, we've got. Well, they're here. Yeah, there's there's ten, there's ten of them in here. I'm surrounded by them. <laughs> well, you are at a stable, so uh, to start with, I was going to ask you about about yourself. How did you first get involved in horses? Um, well, I'm not from a horsey background, which is probably why I'm really passionate about introducing children that, ha that have not got access to horses. So I'm from Birmingham originally, which you can probably hear in my voice because I've never lost my accent. Um, but I'm proud to be from Birmingham. Um, and I went on a pony out of school fate when I was very little. And then um, my dad took me riding and I used to ride at this animal rescue centre in the Midlands. And my dad thought I would grow out of it, out of horses, I mean, like like, like young girls do, but I didn't. Um, and I just never got it out of my system. Um, so my dad told me I had to get a proper job, which I did. And I went to Sheffield University and I used to be a dental hygienist. And I once got fired from a dentist for talking about horses. Um, <laughs> at which point I thought, maybe this is not the life for me. So um, I did horses half the week and teeth half the week to some supplement the money and then I bit the bullet about about uh, 15 years ago and just said to my poor dad that's it dad I've done the proper job but I'm giving it up and going to the horses and, and I've never looked back so I, I ride past the dentist in the town here and I, I always look in the window and think I'm glad I'm not in there <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a bit of a change how old then were you when you first uh, uh, rode a pony then when I first rode a pony, I must have been about six, yeah. Right. And um, like I say, no one in my family has anything to do with horses. And still now, my dad wouldn't know one end of a horse from another. So they, they don't know where I got it from. But it's, it's, um, it's just in my heart, really. You know, horses are in my heart and I, I can't seem to function without them. And how, how did you first get involved with Park Lane Stables then? Um, so I was working in Birmingham um, at a riding school there and um, I, I always wanted to have my own riding school because I wanted to do it my way and I, I wanted to put the horses first. So a job was advertising the horse and hound um, down here in London and I'd never been down here before and I applied for the job and I really, really wanted it. Anyway, I got the job and then to cut a long story short, it wasn't really a job and then they just said to me if you want to open this riding school you're gonna to have to do it yourself but I'd already moved my life from Birmingham at that point so I just bit the bullet and just opened it myself so I had a couple of geriatric ponies and started it off like that it was very small very low case there was literally just me and and it just snowballed into this really big riding center and how many um, years ago was that that was 12 years ago. 12 years ago. Right. Yeah, so we've now got 23 horses and ponies. And we do riding, carriage driving, we do hippotherapy, we do pony club, RDA. We, we do a bit of everything, really. We take ponies into care homes, hospitals. Um, so we, I've always been passionate about it being, the horses being here for everyone. 
and we pride ourselves on being the friendliest stables in London um, because riding centres can be quite unfriendly at times, mm, slightly yeah. intimidating. So from the outset, I always wanted it to be that everybody was welcome and I'm, I'm sure we've managed to achieve that. Yeah. Well, right, so complete change, complete, complete career change from being possibly being yeah, a dentist. Yeah, but, but I did listen to my dad, so I did what I was told and earned some money for, for yeah. a little while. But let's just focus again on the stables. You've you've just told us quite a few things about the stables, do. But where exactly are you based? So we're in southwest London in Teddington. So the 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 closest places that people would know is Twickenham Rugby Stadium. Everybody knows where that is. Yeah, so yeah. We're, we're in between Twickenham Rugby Stadium and Hampton Court Palace, if you can imagine that. So um, we're, we're in a little town in between those two. Um, so we're in a very, very urban location. We're actually in the middle of a like residential area. So the stables is, is hundreds of years old. And what's happened is over the years, um, all the farmland and grassland around us has been built on and the stables has managed to stay here so it's a really unusual location like if people look it up on um google earth or um the street view they'll, they'll probably be quite surprised because mm, i read it at one one point back in the 1830s it was the home of teddington fire station where they had um horses with the with the fire engines yeah that's right yeah so its first job was um was a horse-drawn fire station um and it's always had horses in here over the years I, I believe it was a dairy at one time and then um various people have had it as a riding school over the years so yeah it's got it's got a it's got a long history but all, always involving horses and how many staff and volunteers work there we have an army of volunteers so we have over 150 volunteers that come at you know all different times just to give their they might give an hour a week sales you know some people obviously give a lot more than that and then we have a small team of uh, of staff and most of our team have additional needs so um we pride ourselves on having a can-do um attitude so we we, we it, like i said everybody's welcome here and that's why in our team we have um like a, a young lady who's um, registered blind, somebody with autism, somebody else with epilepsy. So one of our main concerns if we, if we lose our sight is that these people will have to seek employment. And obviously, as we know at the moment in the pandemic, it's really hard for people to get work. So if you've got additional needs and you're, you know, you've, you're trained and, and securing a job to go to lose your job and get another job is going to be really, really hard for them. Now you you detailed quite a few of the um, activities that um, go on at the stables. What's the age range of the uh, children? Well, we we do we do a, little, a thing called mini muckers, which is for tinies, so they're preschool children, um, and it's like a sensory experience to get them used to the horses. So a lot of children have a con a preconception of what horses are like from a storybook, and then when they hear a horse sneeze and they smell it for the first time, it's a bit of a surprise. Um, so we do these mini mucker sessions where the children get involved, they'll, they'll do little jobs, we do play little games and everything, and then they'll have a little ride. So they'll be like three-year-olds. Um, and then we go all, we don't have an upper age limit, so everybody's welcome here. And we've had, we've had people in their 80s coming riding, so we, we don't turn anybody away. And you, you mentioned um, something called hippotherapy, what, what's that? 
Yeah, so hippotherapy is, um, it, it, the easiest way to explain it is where the horse is used as an instrument by the physiotherapist. So it's physiotherapist led. So um, like I'm an RDA coach, but I would, I would be under her direction in a hippotherapy session. So my responsibility would be to make sure that the horse was okay and um, the welfare of the horse and she would be concentrating on the, um, the participant. So imagine um, like a young person that doesn't have any core control and can't sit up, for example. Um, then the physio uses the horse to, to work all her muscle groups so that um, the horse is obviously warm and he's soft and he's moving. So the child is having quite intense physiotherapy, but not often realising that they're having therapy, if that makes sense. So we, we do, it's, it's a really specialised thing. And we have three horses that are trained as hippotherapy ponies because it's quite um, intense on the ponies because they have to have a lot of humans around them. So for like one hippotherapy participant, you'd probably have six humans because they're usually children that can't sit up at all. So you need a lot of hands-on to make the session happen. So you've got to have a certain kind of pony that doesn't mind being surrounded by people. Um, and it's very sort of stop-starty and, and gentle. So, you know, they've, they've got to have a certain type of temperament to tolerate it, really. And you're very key with riding for the disabled as well. I can see with your hat on at the moment. Yeah, I've always got my RDA yeah. hat on. Yeah. yeah, so in a non-COVID year, um, we would do 3,000 RDA sessions a year. So before the COVID hit us, we were working six days a week. And the first session would be at nine and we would carry on till, till dark, really. So we were, we were so busy with RDA sessions. And we have a huge waiting list. And if, if we do have to close, it's not as if there's anywhere for our riders and carriage drivers to go because every, all the other RDA groups are full up as well. So they, they, just, they just wouldn't be able to do it anymore. It's not like they could just shift to the, to the local group down the road. It, it, that's, that's just not possible. That's why we're really concerned about um, losing our site because our, our riders and drivers, that would just be the end of the activity for them. And for a lot of our participants, our adult participants, they're really socially isolated. And the only time that they leave their care homes is to come here because there's nothing much else that some, for some of them, there's not much else that they can participate in. And as I said before, like everybody's welcome here. So we're really concerned about that, that, that if we were to go, that their, their world's just going to get that bit smaller, really. It sounds like you make a real difference to the community with the activities. Yeah, I think we do. I mean, I hope we do. And it feels like we, we must have done because now the community are like putting their arms around us and supporting us to stay here because we, we felt that with the, with the campaign that people really do want us to stay um, because the horses have touched so many people's lives. And with you, you said mentioned carriage driving. That's for the children... Uh, who who are not able to ride themselves yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's mainly adults actually um right. I, that, that's not um intentional it's just the way it's evolved because what we found was a few years ago we were turning a lot of people away that couldn't mount the horses for various reasons um and that that was really sad and we just thought we don't we don't want to say no we hate saying no so what can we do so um to cut a long story short, we got ourselves a carriage horse and, and a local company got a carriage for us. 
called a Phoenix Freedom, which is a special carriage that a wheelchair goes on. And now we do carriage driving for wheelchair users. And it's, we've been quite successful with it. I mean, we've competed at Windsor Horse Show and Chertsey Show. We've been to the RDA Nationals. So um, we do some sort of sensory carriage driving, which is just a sensory experience. But we also do carriage driving for those that really want to learn how to do it and, and compete in that, in that area. Because you're close to Bushy Park, I presume that's where you uh, yeah, take your carriages. Yeah. Yeah, and it's beautiful. We're so lucky that they let us carriage drive in the Royal Park. So there's um there's there's parakeets in there, which when I first moved here I couldn't believe it. There's just hundreds of parakeets everywhere. Um and obviously there's deer. And it's just a really sensory experience for our participants. So um it's it's been really successful and there's a huge demand for that as well. And your pony you've got pony club members as well. Yes, we've got a pony club. We've usually got about 150 pony club members. That's what it, our membership hovers around at. And we're a really proactive pony club centre. So we listen to the members. We listen to, to what they want, which is how the pony racing started. But the, we, we go all the way up from little ones right up to 25. And we have lots of our pony club members have got additional needs as well. So they, they do lots of competing, they, they do um, pony racing obviously, then they do um, dressage, show jumping, hunter trials, so we get out and about all the time. So the ponies have a really varied life, which is what makes them happy, because if they were doing RDA all the time, they might get a little bit bored, a little bit stale, but they might be doing RDA one day, and then the next day they're going out to a pony club rally, so they're, they're always getting variety in their life, which makes them really fit and happy and you've had some pony club winners as well you were telling me yeah so um we got on the podium once at the pony club championships that was very exciting i think i shed a tear that day and we once had a winner at lingfield and i was standing on top of the bank at lingfield talking to this man and he said natalie that's your horse out in the front and nobody expected it to happen at all and our horse was lent in front of all the other horses it, it was the biggest shock of the day and we had a winner at ascot as well that was uh in 2019 so um yeah because our, our ponies have like a base fitness so although they're not galloping all the time that they, they are busy working all the time and i think that's why when we do the pony racing we're quite successful because they maintain a certain level of fitness all the time so yeah we, we do get some shock results at times which is nice Oh, you've had, some, there's been some quite well-known jockeys, Holly Doyle and Tom Marquand, both started off as uh, in pony racing. So uh, we must let them know about the campaign as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be getting in touch with them. And um, some of the children that have gone through our pony racing scheme, they've gone on to um, go to the British Racing School. And also they've gone on to get jobs in the industry as stable lads and stable girls. So it, it's really working the scheme that, that we are feeding young people into the industry. Well, that's another reason why the, the stables are so important, aren't they? Not just yeah, for... because because like Holly Doyle or any rider, everybody has to start somewhere, don't they? Um, and because of where we're situated in London, a lot of the people that young people that we're working with, they they would never have the opportunity to have their own pony. So. You know, if, if we're taken away from them and that access is taken away, it just means that that whole pathway is going to be shut off for so many people. Well, I read some of the quotes um, about uh, Park Lane Stables and 
couple of them really hit me where it said uh, a, a bubble which is quite appropriate word of happiness yeah. and another, another one said run on kindness and inclusion everyone who is part of it is a better person for it oh that's so lovely to hear and I you know I'm so I'm so pleased to hear that and and we we do have a can-do attitude and we have an open door policy well not in the covid but normally we do um so everybody's welcome but I always say that it's the ponies that perform the magic because you know young people well not just young people but people come here with with a lot of troubles and a lot of hardship in their life and they they might be going through something you know pretty horrible and and they can they can share their secrets with the ponies and just and just offload really and I, I think they always they always leave here feeling that bit better than when they arrived yes because i think it's well known that uh, mentally being around horses is very therapeutic to people especially at the moment although obviously not not open at the moment but uh hopefully post post lockdown when you reopen again because you are going to raise this money it uh it's it's great for people of all ages for their mental uh, well-being yeah absolutely in um the first lockdown lockdown one started a campaign called tiny pony at your window it actually went viral it was quite bizarre actually uh, i just thought of it as a as a little thing to go and visit people at their windows and we would hold up signs from members of their family that lived in other parts of the country and it just proved that the ponies just lifted people's spirits just seeing them you know and and the sound of their hooves on the streets in london and yeah it's it, it, it's them that provides the magic not us really well i can see from your face and and the sound of your voice how much job satisfaction you get from yeah I, yeah i mean we, that i don't think you can work with horses for for money you have to do it for love don't you and um and yeah we we, we run it on passion really here and there's so many success stories from over the years and that's why we, we want to continue so we can make so many more and this week you had some support from the royal family as well with princess royal who actually yeah. opened um, a section of the stables about uh, five years ago, I think. That's right. So five years ago, we did some building work and um, we, we built um, a room that we affectionately call the loft lounge um, because what we found is that um, a lot of adults are socially isolated who have disabilities, especially those that are visually impaired. So we realised that they were coming riding, but then they would ride and leave and, and we thought, oh, we need to offer a bit more than this. So we built this loft lounge so that after they've ridden, they can have an area where they can make friendships and chat and, and have shared problems. So the Princess Royal actually came and opened it in 2016, um, which was a really exciting day. And then one of our young riders wrote to her and told her what was happening here. And she actually replied, which was which was so kind. And it, it really meant the world to us that, um, that, that she was supporting us to stay here um and she she always calls us the pavement ponies because the stables go straight out onto the street and um she she remembers us from that because it is she must go to a lot of places but this is pretty unusual really well you've got a good backer there she is an olympic horseman so uh... yeah yeah so um yeah it's really good to have her support and um john joe o'neill actually um tweeted uh, crowdfunder this week and pledged us some money so that was pretty amazing as well oh it's great to see you getting the horse racing uh, 
connection on board. Yeah, so they're getting behind us, yeah, which is lovely. So now talking about the campaign, how can people donate? So they just go to crowdfunder.co.uk and it's save-our-stables um, and they can make a pledge on there. Um, so Natalie, is there a minimum amount someone can donate? No, absolutely not. We're grateful for anything, honestly. Um, just like Tesco say, every little helps. So any pledge will help us. So on the crowdfunding page, you're not restricted to a, a, an amount, no? No, no, not at all, no. No, somebody put £2 the other day, um, you know, and we sent them, send them a thank you, and um, a little girl wrote me a really lovely letter today and put her pocket money in it. So, you know, we, yeah, there, there isn't a minimum amount. Just, just whatever people can manage will be grateful for, and it will make a difference. Yes. So, you know, whatever the amount is, it will make the difference. One of the common things that people are asking is what happens if we don't raise the money? Um, and the answer is that the money gets returned to the people that have pledged it. So um, Crowdfunder hold this money securely at this time. Um, and then if we were successful, they would pass the money to us at the end. Um, but if not, the money would get returned. But we, we chose to do it that way. We chose to do an all or nothing campaign because we didn't want to be taking people's money if we weren't successful. So it's just good to be clear about that so people understand. Yeah, but um, you're going to raise this money, aren't you? So uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's, totally. that's the attitude. Yeah. So, uh, and there's also some, if they donate a certain amount of money, there's a reward yeah depending on what you donate isn't there yeah so there's rewards on there so we we tried to make them covid friendly because it's a bit tricky isn't it at the moment because we we'd love to invite everybody down here but we'd be breaking the law so yeah you can have a pony positivity postcard where we'll send you a nice postcard with some positive words on uh you can come and have a pony cuddle post covid We've got a lovely volunteer who's an artist and she has contributed a watercolour of people's choice that could be done from a photograph if, if people pledge £200. Um, and then we've got bigger um, awards for people like um, companies that wanted to like sponsor a horse or sponsor a stable um, so they could have their name associated with, um, with the activities that we're doing. And when you raise the money it will then be a stables forever then yeah yeah that's right so it will be it will be owned by cha the charity and and yeah it will be our forever home so it would mean that we'd have security um for our participants and and that this will continue forever and then then people in london will always have access to the horses so yeah that's why we really want to own it so that the 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 doubt is taken away from us. Um, obviously, it's really it's a worrying time for all our vulnerable people that rely on us, and we're doing our best to reassure them. But imagine if we own it, then then they've got their happy place forever, which is which is so important. Because presumably, if um, there is nowhere else for these people to go, if do the things that you offer, is there? No, there isn't, and that that's our biggest concern. And and for a while, I was sort of keeping it under my hat, as it were, because I was I was worried about the, the impact on their mental health if they thought that the stables was going to go. But then it was pointed out to me that if I didn't share this problem, that I couldn't help them. But yeah, that is our biggest concern, because obviously we would be able to find homes for the horses, 
but it's always horses burst here but on this occasion the humans are going to suffer the most impact if we go because there isn't an alternative for them there isn't there just isn't anywhere else for them to go and and for a lot of our participants this is the only thing really that they can do if that makes sense there isn't Mm. there isn't a world of opportunity open to them elsewhere no i think that's important because in in areas like the country there are there is always the, there was always another place where you could set up a, a stables, but where you are, there there just isn't, is there? And uh... no, there just isn't. And it, and if we have to go, that'll be it forever. It's not like oh, in ten years the horses will move back into London. That's just not going to happen because that that as we all know that doesn't happen in London. So it, if we go, then this will just become yet another house or two. And, and the horse, there won't be anywhere for the horses to come back to. And then the thing is, because of where we're located, people can get to us on public transport. So a lot of our adults with additional needs, they're, they're not going to be able to drive a car or, you know, they'd be relying on someone else to give them a lift if we were situated somewhere out in the country. But because of where we are, they can get to us on the train, they can get to us on the bus. And it's easy access, which is which is a really important part of the dynamic here. Well, I can see just speaking to you this afternoon, Natalie, what fantastic work you're doing there, um, and how important it is to to the community, the disabled, riding for the disabled, uh, the pony club members, and for the inner city that that you do raise this million pounds. As you say, you're on about eighteen percent at the moment, and you've got. Yeah about what um 30 days to go or something like that to go yeah i've got about 30 days yeah so we so we need to keep the momentum up and keep keep positive and um we just ask people to if if they can't pledge if they could just share it because if they share the campaign then the, the more we can get the word out we can reach more people and that will help us to reach our goal but we're, we're determined and positive that we'll get there well, that's fantastic to hear. And thank you very much for being on the paddock and the pavilion. I'll keep posting on future podcasts where you are with the campaign. We've got, uh, I'm not quite Nick Luck, but we can certainly do our best to help <laughs> promote you. you. And uh, don't forget to get in touch with Holly Doyle and Tom Marquand. Yeah, I will. Yeah, definitely. That will be on my to-do list now for this evening. Thank you. <laughs> and, and thank you for the, the uh, horse or pony behind you who keeps wanting to get on the show. I know. He, that's Reggie. He's, yeah, he's trying to get in the action, isn't he, old Reggie? Oh, he was in the snow today. I saw a... Um... Yeah, Reggie was in the snow today. Um, and Reggie's raced at Lingfield, actually. Yeah, so he he's um he raced in the one three eight at Lingfield, so he's actually ride and drive. So he does um racing, carriage driving, RDA. Um, he's very versatile. Oh, yeah. it's the first time I've had a horse on the um the show, anyway. So uh... <laughs> and Trigger's snorting now. Can you? Hear oh, that's Trigger as well. All oh, right. Yeah, Trigger's having a snort. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Well, thank you very much again. Anyway. Thank you. Yeah, and keep in touch. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pad and Pav.
Social Podcast Network.